Glad you could join us for episode 150 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we return to our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. And we're recording in the morning here because it's Election Tuesday in Maryland. Yep. Big day for really no reason. <laughs> well, fortunately, Outlook, they have to use the schools as polling places, so that's why we're off. Right. Simple as that. Simple as that. All right. Well, what's not simple is that we're here to discuss season two, episode 18, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, it's so not simple. But before we get to that, Wayne and I want to, as always, remind you we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right. So we, I mean, there is a lot of sci-fi news out there, but I I was just going to touch on a couple of things. And and certainly one is that JC McKenzie, AKA Reagan, normal Ronald has been co-starring in HBO's vinyl. And I know you mentioned that on the podcast, but now that I've actually seen the whole season, uh, he's pretty cool. And, you know, in a lot of ways, his character kind of is the same. I mean, certainly some of the same mannerisms. Right. And it's the same thing with his uh, character on Hemlock Grove, that even though they're very different characters, he he does have some definite mannerisms about him that uh, kind of go from one character to another. But he's a really good character actor. And uh, I liked his his guy in in vinyl. You know, he's not a major character, but uh, when he's in, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, he's certainly a recurring character. He, he's obviously one of the three main guys at, at the record company. But uh, regardless, it's great to see him. The guy and now, in charge of pushing Donny Osmond albums. Exactly. So now, you know, if we could get Jensen Ackles some work, then we'd be in good shape. Yeah, if only. Man, I just can't believe that guy hasn't found a show. Yep. All right, so we also found out that Doctor Who has a new companion, Pearl yep. Mackey, who is a relative unknown. I don't know if you've looked at her IMDb page. I but haven't. It, hers is only slightly longer than yours and mine. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. But there has been a trailer released, and, and it's about 40 seconds worth. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was good. You know, the trailer uh, or her? Well, both. Yeah, you know, she's obviously she's good. You know, she brings like kind of I would say maybe a lighter touch than Jenna Coleman. Not that Jenna Coleman couldn't be funny, but she seems like you know she's like uh, like just in that time the the banter between the doctor. I guess her name's going to be Bill, Billy, Bill, Bill was uh, it was pretty clever, and uh, I think she's going to be good. You know, well, well, her yeah. hair is a little crazy, but. Uh, yeah. Well, it got it got me to thinking because obviously I started at series one with Eccleston and Billy Piper and loved both. And then I was a little worried when Eccleston left and Tennant came aboard. And obviously my, my worries were unfounded because I, I think like a lot of us, Tennant has become my favorite doctor, not, not to say I don't like the others. But then when we find out that Rose is leaving – and we've got Martha coming on board. I'm thinking like, uh, I don't know about this. And then I loved her. Right. She was awesome. Yeah. And and then when she left. Now, I think you like Donna a lot more than I do. I love Donna Noble. She's my favorite companion by far. Yeah. And, and I mean, I like Donna, but uh, not certainly can't say my favorite. And, and then 
Obviously, we change doctors again, and we get Matt Smith and Amy Pond and Amy Pond, who I loved. Amy Pond, sure. Matt Smith. I'll just say I warmed to Matt Smith. I don't know that I ever really liked him. Certainly not like Tenant. Sure. Um, I think I, I think I even like Eccleston better. Yeah, you know, I, that's you know, it's it's always weird because like you know, like I say, your first doctor, right? And sure. Christopher Eccleston was the the first doctor for me. I hadn't even watched any of the classic ones yet when I started watching. So that's kind of like always like this thing where the next guy you're just like mm, you know unsure but i'd say warm to matt smith like i think it was just really kind of getting to like matt smith as a doctor by the time he stopped you know um i, I certainly liked him. i thought he was great and i know there's a lot of people especially younger kids who matt smith is the doctor right he's the one that they started watching the show he's their first doctor and so like they absolutely love him. And I get that. He was he was very good. But I kind of like Peter Capaldi, though, man. You know, like, I don't know. Like, Peter Capaldi might be shooting up the charts at, uh, you know, maybe even threatening uh, tenant land there. Well, you know, and I really like Capaldi. And, and again, after, I mean, it was a big change because Matt Smith was obviously the youngest doctor. And then we go to Capaldi, who I don't know that he's necessarily been the oldest, I think. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Only um, Hartnell was uh, right. older. But he he certainly was much older than Matt Smith. But but sure. again, I I loved him right away. Uh, I I really liked Jenna Coleman, and I think it was different because we got to see her introduced kind of as another character, right? Before she came on board as well, a which companion. Is, they did that with Donna Noble too, right? So you know, Pearl Mackey, uh, I like look, I guess like all of them, she's going to have to prove herself and. Sure. They generally make good decisions over there at the BBC, so we'll see what happens this time. Yeah, that, and that's the, the the core of it. It's just like, you know, they really haven't gone wrong yet as far as casting goes. But, I, you know, like I, like I said, I, I liked her in that trailer. At first I thought it was, I was a little like, you know, just like always, just like whenever they, especially when they change a the doctor, but also when they change a the companion, you're just like a little wary. You're just like, hmm, I don't know. You know, like it's very much, let's see, Let's see what you got here, kid. And uh, but uh, like I said, the the already you can see the interplay between her and the doctor and the the banter was I thought was really good. I'm looking forward to. Well, I guess you got to wait till Christmas, but uh, looking forward to it. Well, you know, the other thing I thought about last night when I start to think about art, what are some of my favorite Doctor Who episodes? Mm. Uh, and they all seem to have Martha, who was only yeah. there in season three. Yeah, well, that was that was just a really good season. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, the other thing that I wanted to touch on today is that Game of Thrones season six returned. Uh, so we've seen the season premiere and, you know, you've read the books. Uh -huh. I have not. I've seen all the episodes, but I certainly still have trouble remembering who's who and things like that. So I'll just go on record as saying I, I liked it, but I found myself doing other things while i was watching it i forgot to <laughs> record it on my dvr so i watched it on hbo go on my ipad uh -huh. and next thing you knew i had an essay in my lap and oh i, I know i know so oh man now, if you'd rather grade writing than watch game of thrones that's I, harsh I, that is and and i read a couple reviews and they were all glowing so i don't know what what do you think to me, there there was no real central story to this episode. It was just basically let's get caught up with every single story that we've been every thread 
That's right. And they they literally did that, except for I think Bran is the only storyline that they didn't touch on here. And so it was just like little tidbits of a bunch of different stories and there was no real kind of central thing going on. So as far as like the the rest of the Game of Thrones episodes, I really didn't necessarily care for this one quite as much. But I can see how it's setting up a lot of stuff and uh hopefully uh you know look at uh better more focused ones to come yeah so i'll remember to set my dvr this time but <laughs> there's a lot out there to watch uh, as we've said many times but what, what i will say is at the end there like you go from like the red lady she's you know gets undressed and you're like whoa and then like all of a sudden she's like really old and you're like whoa <laughs> it's like uh man that was that was kind of a shocker well, I think that's that necklace, right? Right, right, right. Which you should definitely like keep you know, on, keep on pretty much most of the time. But uh, and we did get our, you know, she pretty much does take her clothes off at least every episode that she's in. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But know. but you can see what what I. But apart from taking her clothes off, what I really liked about her is just that uncertainty she is experienced. She's always been so arrogant. And like I know what's going on, but now Jon Snow has apparently been killed, and she's like, "I but I saw him in the flames." You know, like her faith is like really shaken here. She's like, "He can't be dead." I saw him in the flames. I saw him at Winterfell, right? So she's just kind of like, for the first time, you see her like almost, I would say, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. So I'll keep watching. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, George will finish the novel at some point. Yeah. And maybe even do a seventh, but probably not, especially with the NFL draft coming up in two days. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's get on to Dark Angel. And this is season two, episode 18, Dog Day Afternoon, which doesn't really have any kind of a connection to the Al Pacino film as much as I tried to, to find it. Yeah, I uh, think, have you ever seen the film? I have, sure. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny because in the one point, the, the guys uh, who are chasing Joshua, they're calling him Tranny, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, well, his, I mean, the whole thing was Al Pacino was like robbing the bank to get his uh, boyfriend a sex change, right? Right. The money for the sex yeah. change, right. Uh, which is not transvestites, but I'm just, I don't know. No, no, no. So, I did catch that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I think it's just like how it w- just was a complete debacle. Al Pacino's attempt turned into a complete farce. Uh, so the same thing here, uh, a simple, you know, here's the plan. Uh, just a simple go and see Annie because I miss her turns into this you know whole big thing. Um, I guess it would be the only real connection between the film and. Well, this one was written by Robert Doherty, who did Some Assembly Required, which was episode two hundred seven. That's the one with Zach and the Steelheads, and oh, then yeah. he did uh, episode two thirteen, Harbor Lights, which was directed by Kenneth Biller, who's also directing this episode. And this one aired April 12th, 2002. So, you know, you mentioned, Andy, we get to see Candace McClure again. And uh, unless we see her in flashbacks, we're not going to get nope, to see her anymore nope, this season. Spoilers. <laughs> you know, but the other thing that that obviously, look, it's not, not as if Joshua hasn't been front and center in most of the episodes. And, and certainly we know that Kevin Durand plays Joshua. But I guess since I've been doing the Vikings reviews for Den of Geek, I don't know. Again, it just kind of occurred to me, you should mention that he plays the traveler who turns up now and then, and we're not sure exactly who he is, what he is. Is he a God? Is he 
just some guy that can scam women. Yeah. Well, it's not even, you know, he's helping them, right? <laughs> oh, he is helping I them. I like exactly. how he plays that. <laughs> it's not for me, it's for them. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, with this episode, you know, I, I'm not big on shows trying to make social commentary a lot. And and to a, to a large extent, I mean, Dark Angel and a lot of the scenes are metaphors for things that are going on in real life. And, sure. and on the one hand, this episode predates Marvel's Civil War storyline, obviously, which is uh, going to be coming up rather soon, which, which certainly pits the Inhumans versus everybody else. And, and, and of course, we understand the fear of the unknown. And we've heard Joshua say that how many times people are afraid of what they don't know. But we see so much racism, religious fervency, and, and just basically deliberate attempts to create public hatred towards one group. Sure. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing new, right? It, no. You know, it's just, it's a different group here, but it's, we see this, unfortunately, you know, time and time again throughout history. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, we see it with virtually every political party and no matter what country you're living in and uh, just using it you know, for their own benefit. And, and it's just, yeah, I think what, what they did so well here is just really drive it home that this is just not right. Yeah. You know? Yep. So, yeah, well, you see like the, you know, that, that xenophobia and, you know, the people like holding up cards and protesting and selling t-shirts all, you know, promoting hate basically. Yeah. And, and the preacher that, you know, we'll talk about him in a bit. I mean, he certainly exemplifies virtually every preacher you see on TV and in, you know, news, whether it's CNN, Fox, MSNBC, that, that, yeah, at the end of the day, I think people that really are paying attention realize they're really just out for themselves. And sure. This guy seemed to be the same. But we also look at the breeding cult and the fact that they're using white. And we've said white's trying to play both sides of this situation, but using white to turn the public against the transgenics. And, uh, you know, apparently they can't get rid of the transgenics on their own. And, you know, for white, I guess it's killing two birds with one stone since his government job, right, is to round them up. Right, but the uh, the the two he's getting contrasting orders from from the two. You know, the government says keep this on the DL, keep it under wraps, and then the uh, was it the consortium, or whatever is that what they're called? The but uh, the conclave. Uh, you know, the conclave is saying we want you to make this public and, and get this out there. So. Something's got to give, basically. Right. right. Now, one of the other questions I have at this point, and, and again, we've said it's almost only three episodes left, but what are the writers doing with Asha? I just keep feeling like what a waste of a potentially great character. Yeah. I, what I'm kind of seeing in this episode is just they've got so many people in the cast and they're trying to get screen time for everybody and so it's i think it's tough yeah, but you're absolutely right that ashley scott's character here asha is a really cool character we've seen her and also you know we've seen not just in action but uh you know uh revealing a, a depth of character but uh you know i think especially with uh, sketch and normal we saw in this episode they're just like kind of like creating things just to get these guys on screen 
Right. But the way they handled both, I thought was really brilliant. I, I thought this was one of the best episodes of the series. The fact that we don't see original Cindy is also uh, right. kind of a negative, mm-hmm. especially since she knows the truth, which Asha still does not. Right, right. Yeah, and she's, I mean, basically everyone showed up at the, you know, the, I guess the quote unquote crime scene where the, you know, they're looking in the sewers for, for Joshua. I mean, everyone was there. Even yeah. normal showed up, in the, but no Cindy. Yep. So, all right. Well, opening scene, we got a news report stating that the government's going to seek damages against whoever unleashed transgenics on the city. And as Alec notes, good luck getting damages from Manticore. There, there were some really subtly funny lines in this one, for sure. Yeah, that was a good line. Yeah, with everything. Yep. Just, uh, you know, again, that kind of that, that irony where, you know, the people in the news, they just they don't, no one knows what's really going or very few people know what's really going on. Certainly the public doesn't know what's really going on. Well, and I think the other thing that became clear here is that the news people really don't care. You know, she's up there doing her report. She can't get out of there fast enough. Yeah. And how did it look? Sure. Okay. Yeah. It was definitely a condemnation of, of, uh, news media, uh, and it, a time when just, you know, really back in Oh two, I mean, it was kind of like, it, it, they weren't even like at the point where we are now where they just, I mean, if you watch like the morning news, for example, and I apologize if there's any morning newscasters out there listening, but for the most part, it's just absolute drivel. And they just, they show here, you know, here's all the bad things that happen, you know, and then it's like, okay, now Here's a puppy doing cartwheels or something. It's just, it's ridiculous. Well, yeah, but we're recording on a Tuesday. And while I, I didn't turn it on to verify it, apparently Kelly Ripa came back today. Oh, and I missed that? Yeah, that mean old Michael Strahan <laughs> tried to ruin her world. I, did, I didn't even know she was gone. Like, what, what's the deal with that? <laughs> and moving on <laughs> all right so you know on the one hand we got both logan and joshua pining away uh, obviously joshua for annie and logan for max and, and to a certain extent max but you know she's realizes I'm, i just got to get on with things but we see joshua's been painting different versions of annie for a while now and you know we see alec in certainly a more reflective it's certainly to a certain extent contemplative move and he's trying to console joshua which obviously is, is something we never see out of alec but sure. well he's good. not very good at it though so well he's not <laughs> he uh, doesn't have much practice with it but yeah all right max arrives with groceries and a passport and birth certificate proving that alec has a twin was out of the country when the murder occurred uh you know you owe me i don't know was it 2500 bucks yeah but I did like, again, one of the lighter scenes, like, hey, big fella. Hey, little fella. Well, I guess that makes me medium fella. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, you mentioned that televangelist, and, and we cut to the TV that they've got on in, in the house, and he's proclaiming that transgenics are simply the latest in a long line of abominations from the scientific community. And, and, and again, there we go. And, and I guess a lot of science fiction does explore that thematic idea that that science has to be responsible for its own creations um yeah and what a lot of sci-fi deals with is is that 
and we've talked about this before, is you know, scientific progress outstripping the reflective process, right? And right. so that we uh, come up with new things way before we know how to actually use them or deal with them. But also with the the preachers, this kind of, again, you know, like Dark Angel making this social commentary here about how, unfortunately, sometimes religion can be very intolerant. Yeah, and, of course. And, uh, you know, this guy is up there and he's claiming that transgenics are not people and not even what well, he's trying to argue they're not even living right right they shouldn't be afforded any human rights they came off the assembly line they're manufactured and, right and, so but by that his logic is that they're, they're not alive right they're not living and it's like you know that's definitely flawed logic right and it's really the same idea that comes up in battlestar galactica with the cylons you know as uh ronald d moore has said that that you see the cylons are, are viewed as the other and, you know, they want to want to be seen as individuals, living entities as them, you know, in, in and of themselves. And, and there's that conflict. But what we also see out of this scene, though, is Normal's take on the whole matter, which is that he agrees wholeheartedly with the reverend. Sure. Which is not surprising at all. <laughs> well, it isn't. And but then to see the look on Max and Alex faces as the reverend saying it, but maybe even more to the point here that this is what normal thinks. And again, maybe not that they didn't know that already, but I think it just seemed as if it, it hit home a little more. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you see someone, you know, actually agreeing with stuff like that. It could, you know, probably give you pause, but uh, you know, right. but normal's always kind of been the mouthpiece for, you know, you know, super conservative views on this show. And everything. Yeah. Yep. And of course, Logan's watching, and the next thing you know, we've got eyes only interrupting, taking up for the transgenics, who are not that different than you and me. They simply feel alone in a hostile world. And then, of course, Alex says, well, you know what he's doing. He's reaching out, and it's not to me. Right. And and as soon as he comes on, Normal walks away. Right. Yeah. All right. Doesn't want to hear it. No. Now, you know, I mentioned Asha, obviously, as the most underused character, along with original Cindy in this show. She's got police footage of Mule's apprehension, and she is looking pretty good in that black outfit. But um, <laughs> we get to the conversation where Max comes up and she asks, you know, whether or not he's heard from her. And, and then she says, you know, you don't think that that was scary for her. She's not used to worrying about anyone else. And I'm starting to think like, well, you really have to admire her. And we've talked about this before that we know they both are in love with Logan. And yet the mutual respect I think each has generally comes out. But then she mentions about, you know, they're not used to feeling like this. And he's like, they, well, she, yeah, Alec. So I started thinking, well, did she do that on purpose? Did she just drop that in there? Uh, I don't think so. I think just Alec is kind of on her mind, you know, and that that's what she's thinking of because I think she's kind of moved on from Logan, right? And now well, that's what I thought. She's all into Alec, but remember the last episode, Alec was basically like, I, you know, you don't want to get involved with a guy like me, where she is referring to Alec like as her, the object of her desire. You know, Logan, as we saw last episode as well, like the, the, the jealousy that he feels is coming back to the front. 
Yeah, because I really want to keep Asha in, you know, in that uh, not morally superior, but but because that sounds well, you know how it sounds, but but I mean certainly her her morals and ethics I I think shouldn't be questioned at this point. She's really done nothing. Right. Um, you know. Yeah. So and I think it's just like yeah, she refers to Alec because that's who she's after, you know, she wants, but Logan kind of takes it the wrong way that cuz she doesn't I don't think she realizes then I might be wrong here that Asha maybe doesn't realize that Logan is all jealous of uh, of Alec. No, yeah, right. I don't think she does. So, yeah. all right. Well, Max has access to a doctor's laser, and we've talked a, a lot through the course of these podcasts about the barcodes and how he can get away with having short hair and all of that. So she's removing Alec's barcode, uh, even though she says it's going to come back in a few weeks. This seems like kind of a painful thing to go through every few weeks, yeah. but. Logan has discovered that White was at the scene when Mule got taken down and appeared pleased with what happened. Uh, White, not Logan, that is. So obviously he's making connections. Uh, The government is apparently paying White to keep the transgenic problem quiet, as you mentioned a few minutes ago. And then Logan suggests to Max that they meet business only. I was surprised that she refuses and then says, don't call me. Yeah. Yeah. That was harsh. Uh, but it was good to see him that he at least has the physicality to kick something across the room. <laughs> and, <laughs> all right. right. So, so we mentioned Joshua's series of Annie's portraits. And I guess he can't hold off any longer. Goes to her house down the street. And again, just his naivete peering in the window. Did you think nobody was going to see you? First of all, I'm not sure which is worse that you're peeping or that you're a transgenic outside. Yeah. You know, and as many times they have to hammer home to Joshua, like to stay in, you know, don't go out. Like he just refuses to, to get the message. Right. And you know, it it is a message that comes up certainly when they're down in the sewer and, and Annie is so upset when she finds out that he's lied to her, but then she certainly comes to the conclusion that, that she understands, but the three guys notice him walk by really just notice his size because they don't really see his face. Right. At first, but then when he, the, uh, the Billy, the dog scares him and he falls down they come back and all is revealed. Exactly. They pursue him and, and he's hiding in between the dumpsters. Billy and Annie show up. And she calls him out on lying about where he's from because, man, what is it, Manti? Manticoro, I think. Or Manticoro, yeah, Manticoria, or I forget yeah. what it is, but doesn't exist. But that we see the three guys haven't given up, and now Joshua's forced to defend himself. I don't know that they're necessarily special effects. I guess they're more stunts than special effects, but they're, they're – I always like them, even though I think contemporary younger audiences might see them as cheesy – you know, it's kind of like that slow motion. They're flying through the air, then yeah, they hit, they the, hit thing, the wall. Right. But I like it. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, he grabs Annie by the hand and takes her down into the sewer. And yeah, uh, they leave poor Billy topside. But but poor Billy, he's sitting there guarding. You know, yeah. And and the the three guys decide, okay, they're gonna let a golden retriever. <laughs> I grew up with a golden retriever. Guard dogs, they're not. No, no, they're pretty, pretty sweet dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know you, but you can come in. Come on, come on. Pet me. <laughs> so, all right. 
White meets Moorhead at the aquarium, and I don't know, he says something about you know talking about the development of whales, and I, I, I he's looking like a beluga whale. Is that what? And I don't even remember what he says, but yeah, well, he just basically he said like uh, something like a, a you know a humpback whale, millions of years ago, humpback whale mated with a porpoise, and this is what we get. Yeah, and yeah, we, guess- he says it with like an air of disgust, you know. Well, and I guess it's supposed to make us think about the connection between the transgenics and the breeding cult and, you know, the conflict between the two. But regardless, tells him that the conclave wants him to step up his work, go after the X-Fives since they can pass as humans. And, you know, trying to step up and exploit the fear and then, of course, we find out that White's been tipped off about Joshua, and that sends him into uh, assault mode, right? Which we see him in a lot. Well, that's and I thought like his plan, you know, like as basically you know, both Alec and Max uh, show up to to find Joshua. I thought that that was his plan uh, to somehow get footage of of those two. Now, whose yeah. plan? Uh, White's plan. I'm sorry. Okay. Because, you know, like to think, oh, well, we need to get not just the ones who look like transgenics, but the, the ones that appear to be, you know, regular human beings. We, we need to get them caught on tape and let the, you know, the public know about them. So I thought that that was going to be his plan, but obviously that's not what right, happened. Right. Because, you know, when you, when you start to think about that, that creates a sense of paranoia where, uh, again, like in the latest episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they all accuse the other of being, you know, the, the one that's been been taken over by Hive. And how can you tell? You can't tell by looking. So, you know, this sense of paranoia and, and hatred just is exacerbated. So I'm not sure what they really would hope to accomplish by that, but there it is. Now, you, you mentioned those guys showing up. Sketchy also shows up, and and one of the things that that hit me about Sketchy in this, you got to give the guy credit. You know, I I mean, we make fun of him, me more than you, I think. Uh, but <laughs> I do. I think he's, he's a funny character, you know. You know, but he's trying to make something of himself as a reporter. Sure. And you have to admire his doggedness, no pun intended. <laughs> you know, in, in his pursuit of this story, and, and even though he's the butt of three consecutive jokes, which actually in the big picture were pretty funny right well just everyone calls him an idiot so you right. can't start to feel you know bad for the guy a little bit well, but right the- because ironically he's really just doing what any good reporter would do which is just stay on the story sure you know there's something here and of course he doesn't <laughs> find right. anything out right no because he's yeah he, he you know just crosses the line he ends up getting punched out twice Right. Now, I wasn't sure, does White see Max at this scene? Uh, you know, she sees him, and then she right. get, and then she runs away. I'm not sure if she if he sees her. I guess he, he doesn't, but they he he knows she's there because the the cops come back and say that they just got beat up by a girl. Or oh, or, okay, and then he puts and, and two so and two. he hasn't seen her, but he knows that yeah, he, he right, he puts two and two together. Right, cuz then they, he mentions her barcode number. Well, we cut back down to the sewers with Joshua and Annie. They hear the police, and Annie thinks they're safe. And this is obviously where Joshua now has to come clean. It's not what I did. It's what I am. And tells her when she asks why the police 
are after him that you know she's just not going to understand and and you you know you really see her starting to get upset and, and we understand why she's upset yeah oh no question about it you know it's like we understand both sides right we un- we totally understand why Joshua did what he did though obviously Annie's very upset by the fact that when she went to feel his face, uh, he had Alex step in. But then again, like you know, who? How can you? How can you blame the guy? Well, right, and and you know, when he does finally admit that, she's crushed, and it's so heartbreaking on both sides. I mean, she is really angry, and you start to think like, well, what was he supposed to do? And then you think, well, yeah, but you got to understand, she's blind. <laughs> she's got the, the risk of people taking advantage of her constantly. You know, and on the one hand, we feel horrible because he listened to Alec, but I think Alec really felt he had his best interests at heart at that time. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of reminds me uh, before we recorded, talked about 11, 22, 63 a little bit, but here's this idea where you have this secret that is either A, crazy, or B, dangerous to the people that you care about so you keep it inside right you don't tell them but then when they find out about it, they get you know they're they're hurt and upset but then once they're in on the secret then they they get actually hurt right right so is a solution because actually both shows kind of come to the conclusion that really the solution is to not get involved to like to not form these attachments that are outside of of your you know whatever world that exists there right and that's one of the things this episode did so well is it merges those two ideas you know that 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 emotional conflict between uh, i mean certainly it happens every week with alec and max but here with joshua and annie meanwhile we've got the chase going on and, and so they're trying to deal with all of the emotional stuff and meanwhile just not get caught and, you know, once she finally realizes that the police mean safety for her, but not for Joshua, things start to change a little bit. Right. And she, yeah, I, I mean, it ends up being a, a sacrifice, but at the time it doesn't really seem like it um, because she's just like, you know, like the police will find me. I'll tell them you went the opposite direction. And, and so she's kind of taking one for the team. But of right. course, it, the police don't find her first. Well, right. And, and and of course, he is reluctant to leave her alone down there. And she's trying, no, no, I'll be fine. You know, they can find me. They can't find you. And and then obviously he, he, he goes eventually. Again, what's going on topside, Reverend Terry Caldwell is on the scene leading a prayer service for the missing woman, which he could care less about. Right. Uh, the media circus is expanding. T-shirts with Joshua's pictures are being sold, which I thought was a nice touch of the writers. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, they got those things printed up pretty quickly, though, too. You know, like, right. spent a couple hours. When White overhears that a girl took out the officers, as you mentioned, he figures it's Max, takes out two cops because he doesn't want the police getting involved, Gun out, he rounds a corner thinking he's going to knock out Max, but turns out to be Sketch. <laughs> yeah, poor Sketchy. Yeah, well, at least he looked at his press pass first. Right. Idiot. We know Annie is kind of over things. She says, well, no wonder Billy likes you. She's always been a great judge of character. Mm. And that was nice. Yeah, well, it was. And, and you could see the relief on his face. He's like, so you forgive me? And it's like, well, let's not go that far yet. <laughs> but but then she says, I'll come by tomorrow. 
and we're thinking like, okay, this is going to get sorted out. I mean, we get to see Candace McClure for another episode, which is great. I, I thought just the opposite. I even put in my notes. I'm like, she's she's doomed. The minute she said, I promise I'll see you tomorrow, I'm like, uh, I don't think she's going to make it. Yeah. Well, it's now nighttime. Max still isn't out. Trying to figure out a way to get out. And, and of course, we haven't even mentioned Logan is is up in his car with his laptop. And of course, he's hacked into the police uh, computers and, and he he's leading Max and, and Joshua down uh, tunnels and up manholes and all of that. Regardless, we understand that Annie's still down there and we see White confront her. Now you're saying you you kind of predicted what was going to happen here. Yeah, I, I mean, I I didn't know that White was going to get her, but you know, just that whole, you know, I promise I'll see you tomorrow. You know, like that. Yeah. That's just uh, you see that in, in you know telly all the time, and and it just usually means that the person who's promising that they're going to meet is they're they're not going to be able to meet one way or another. Right, and I I don't know. I mean, I certainly didn't think that necessarily, but. I also didn't see White being the one to kill her. And, and I thought it was well done, the fact that they don't show it, that the, the reveal is that they're all watching television and the three of them, Max, Alec, and Joshua, see the reports. And the reporter says that Annie has been found dead with a snapped neck. And on a visceral level, we just feel sick. Yeah. And then when Joshua reacts as he does, we're, we're as helpless as he is. And that scene when the three of them are hugging each other with Joshua in the middle, well, it just, again, heartbreaking. First thing is, like, they've just made White, like, about 10 million times more hateable than he was before. And he was pretty hateable already. Yeah. Um, but this is just beyond the beyonds right this is just way out of bounds uh she is a complete and utter innocent and so his it's just completely reprehensible what he did and yeah sickening right yeah Yeah, i mean does he do it because he thinks it will draw max and joshua out for revenge because because why would they think it was white that did it they wouldn't i he's just trying to it's part of the uh bad press campaign that he's been uh, put on to under by the conclave, uh, he you know because they blame Joshua, right? right? The great irony is like everyone thinks that uh, Joshua killed her, and that you know therefore transgenics are deadly, and therefore we need to you know root them out and lock them up. I don't know. I mean, it's such a powerful episode on so many levels, but it's yeah, it's it's just a stunner at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talk about the endings and, and we talk about the return to the Space Needle. I think it was last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing like that this time. No, no, no. But uh, it's just, but that uh, you know, really kind of powerful shot at the end, as you said, with, uh, you know, Alec and Max just hugging uh, Joshua and them kind of coming together as as, as a family, you know. Right, but what do you do now? I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, it's not as if this is the first time that an innocent has been killed as a result of them being transgenics on the run. I mean, you know, we certainly had the Beresford agenda. Sure, right. But I don't know. This somehow seems different because it impacts all three of them so uh, so hard. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, it's you know profoundly in, impacts them. You know, I would who who knows where, where they go from here. I mean, like again, you can look. Uh, you know, certainly, I think Joshua is probably going to have a pretty strong degree of guilt because I mean, if you really think about it, this, all started because he left the house to go see Annie, right? And the whole thing just kind of happened from there, from something very innocuous and innocent, and he certainly never meant for any of this to happen at all. You know, he kind of brought all this stuff about. And so, I mean, you know, there's definitely a a, a matchup with White, and whether it's going to happen before the season is out, because, uh, well, I mean, if it doesn't, then it doesn't, right? Well, I mean, because they know White was on the scene, so I, it seems logical that at some point they'll you know, not yeah. that they necessarily think that White is the one that killed her, but well, I think he's going to like reveal that in some kind of you know evil speech or something, you know. Like. Right. But but you know the scene where she's saying goodbye and and she's feeling Alex's face. I guess I thought that was kind of their opportunity to put the transgenics in a different light. You know, look, you, you you've gotten to know me a little bit. I'm going to tell you this about me here. You can feel my face, and we'll see her reaction. I mean, we saw her reaction. Down in the sewer. Right. So why would her reaction have been any different? Uh, now, again, retrospect, hindsight's right. always twenty twenty. Exactly. You understand why they did what they did, but. Well, it, it just, it's so, you know, I mean, like, again, it goes back to, do you let people in? Do you, do you, you know, involve other people in your world? who are not already part of it. And, you know, the answer is if you do, then that's can be very, very dangerous. And sometimes people get hurt and that's, you know, like by bringing Annie into this world unwittingly, but to bring her into it has, you know, led to all these terrible, dangerous things. Yeah. Uh, Wonder whether Max Alec will treat normal any differently now that they've seen really where he stands. And and now you mentioned it's not that they didn't know that he was ultra conservative, but I don't know that they realized that he had this much hate inside, or is he just one of these followers that that's just going to parrot whatever, you know, the, in in this case, the preacher saying, I don't know. I think just the, uh, the stuff with normal is, you know, a, a, you're right. As to show like kind of, the uh, other side of that there are people in the public who, you know, fear the transgenics and what their opinion is. Uh, but also, you know, kind of obviously a lot of that uh, comic relief as well. Sure. And and I guess on the one hand, he, he represents, you know, those people that, you know, they hate. Well, why do you hate them? Well, I just hate them. Okay. <laughs> That's a yeah. good reason. Yep. Unfortunately, there are people like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, anything else you want to add to this one? Because I, I, I really like this one. Um, well, I just like to say that the uh, Alpha team in this was a very poorly trained uh, unit. They, they say it a couple of times on the radio, like these two guys were chasing them down. And like, so Alpha team was supposed to be searching D6, well, like where Joshua was hiding. And they just, you know, say, all right, D6 clear. Like what? No, it's not clear. Like you, you didn't. You know, it's it's like my kids. You know, where are your sneakers? They take one look in their room. Up, oh, not here. It's like, come on, man, you're getting paid to search, Alpha Team. 
Yeah, you would think the alpha team's the number one team. Yeah, exactly. They're the alpha team. They're not the beta team or the delta team. Alpha. So, I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Love to hear from you about Dark Angel or anything else you think we should be watching. Like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week when we return to James Cameron's Dark Angel in Season 2, this time Episode 19, titled She Ain't Heavy. But until then... You know, Dave, you mentioned the Facebook group. I'm becoming a little worried about it because it could be they've decided to try and turn the public against you. <laughs>